Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling, and college basketball is off as well. Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are in full swing. And Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action, along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. So head to the Bet Online website today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is B L E A V. Bet Online, where the game starts. Where are you, everyone? <laughs> welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. Taylor Davis, Jason Campbell. I don't know that I even have to intro what our podcast is because Jason is decked head to toe in some Auburn gear and I'm wearing navy blue. So you just can't take the Auburn out of us no matter how hard you try. But welcome in, everybody. We're glad you've joined us to recap a second consecutive SEC win for the Tigers. And they try to make it three straight, a tough one on the road this weekend, heading to Fayetteville. Unfortunately, I will not be on the call this weekend, and I am salty about it. But Jason will be, of course, so make sure you check out the radio broadcast and cheer our Tigers on to another victory. It was really cool to have one here in Nashville this past weekend. And obviously, Jason was in my new city covering the game. And before the episode, it should surprise absolutely no one that we were talking about food. So why don't you go ahead and tell the people uh, what your experience was in Nash Vegas? Yeah, you know, I, I love Nashville. I really do. Nashville is a beautiful city. Um, got a lot of great eating spots. So does a lot of major cities. But Nashville, just right. it, it was just a little different. You know, it's kind of like it's still southern a little bit, but it has yeah. a little northern feel, just a mm-hmm. taste. So I got a chance to go to Hall's. That was a really good steakhouse. It was a great recommendation by you and Derek Mason. Shout and guess coach. what? I didn't, I didn't get a steak. Really? What'd you get? Steak. I got a lobster. Hell yeah. Instead, you know, I was trying to watch my red meat intake because during the game, Vanderbilt really had some good food for for us up. Oh, did they? Yeah, they did for the for the media. Mm -hmm. And I had some uh, pork tenderloin, so I was like, okay, just enough red meat for the day. But the lobster (laughs) was on point, and the bread pudding, oh, killed it. Ooh, buddy. And I also got a chance to eat at Union Four Seventeen Union. Uh, that was okay. a really good breakfast spot. But nice. Taylor wore some other color than Auburn to the game. Oh, here Saturday. we go. Here and we it, freaking it, go. It, it, it just resembled some other school that, you know, I was just like, what is going on here? But, you know, <laughs> okay. but then, I just like, hey. But then my second tidbit is I was in Nashville, and we did not get a chance to link up with Taylor, my wife. And I, I know. Did not get a chance to link up to, she sent me a text message about some donuts at this spot, <laughs> you know, and I just left Nashville thinking about them donuts that I didn't get a chance to stop and get on the way out. And I, I thought about it. I, I got back to 75. I said, dang it, I forgot to stop and get those donuts. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. They are. I freaking helped you. And I, I told you how impressive they are. Anyone that knows about Parlor Donuts, go ahead and give Jay some some crap for not going. It was literally right there off the streets of campus on West End. And they're not normal donuts. If you're a listener and you have not had them, they are 
unbelievable. They're like more croissant, flaky, like pastry type donuts, and they are unbelievable. And I know how much you love food, Jay. I was looking out for you, but yeah, I was trying um, to try a new spot out in a different city. I know. But you know, it is. You it did. Is. A, you did a good yeah. job, though. Look, that's the thing about a city like Nashville is. Like, I will never make a dent in my list of restaurants I want to try living here because every time I cross one off, like three new ones have opened in the past week. It's just growing so quickly that no no amount of time is enough. So you did good. Uh, Halls is is definitely a staple. That's where a lot of TV crews go when they come here. But uh, yeah, I I was worried we weren't going to end up crossing paths and unfortunately because you don't come down to the field you go straight up to the press box and I never go up to the press box I'm just on the field the whole time it was harder than expected and our crew actually went to dinner the night before Vanderbilt's head coach um hmm. actually rec recommended a restaurant and their athletic department took us out to dinner the night before which was super oh. kind of them um so we had to do that Friday night but I could. I knew you were. I knew you were here. I could feel it in my soul, and uh, hey. I hope you and Shayla had a good time. Hey, Auburn fans showed up and showed out. You know, the they stadium sure was eighty percent, eighty percent Auburn. We know that Nashville has a big Auburn alumni first and foremost. Yeah. It certainly made the difference because, man, there were a few times where I thought they were trying to give it away, but nonetheless, they came away with the win, thirty-one to fifteen. Let's talk about it over Vanderbilt. Uh, I, let's talk offensively. It was a career day for Jarquez Hunter, and Vanderbilt's defense struggles mightily, especially against the run. It was really a couple of explosive runs from Jarquez in the first half that kind of was the story of the game. Other than that, our offense, they kept doing some bonehead things, and even Coach Freeze talked to me about it at halftime. But for uh, Jarquez, it was a career-high 183 yards on the ground for him. Peyton threw for 194 and two touchdowns. He did have a pretty... Pretty bad interception that was run right back into the end zone only for a few yards because we were backed up pretty far. And he went to Coach Freeze and said, I, I didn't even see him. Like, he just owned up to the mistake. It was a really stupid decision that Vanderbilt was able to get some points off of. But other than that, pretty solid day for Peyton. Can't say the same for the wide receivers. The drops were, if it weren't for those two runs, those drops would have caused a big, big problem on the day. But we had enough cushion to where it was okay. Um, and it was, a, you know, we've talked about the quarterback situation and there's been some overthrows, some underthrows, some mistiming. I don't blame it on that this week. I mean, Peyton was putting it on the money. He hit several of the guys in the hands and the numbers. Uh, that was that was just a lack of, of wide receiver confidence and stepping up. Even Rivaldo had a couple drops. Like they say drops are contagious. And from my vantage point on the sideline, it seemed like they were a little bit. A huge one for Omari Kelly. He had daylight ahead of him. Like that would have been a big one for him. He was very upset on the sidelines. Several guys were coming over to him to try and pick his head up a little bit. But uh, talk to me a little bit about the offensive showing. We'll get to the defense in a second. But um, uh, there were bright spots, obviously, the run game being one of them. And there were some areas that still highlight the fact that we, we're going to have to add some pieces in the offseason. Well, um, yes, I would say you are – 100% correct. I will say this, though. This is what we talked about earlier in the season, about getting the receivers involved in the passing game totally. so, that they can, so that they can expect the football and that they can uh -huh. feel a part of the game and a part of the game plan. When you go through some of those games where you're so run heavy and then you're throwing the ball to the tight end and receivers have you know two touches the whole game, 
they walk away from the game not feeling like they're part of the unit. And I That's think true. when they practice, they may practice hard, but when they get to the game, a part of me makes it feel like they wouldn't expect them to see those type of balls down the field because we haven't really taken shots down the field this year. But at the same time, if the ball touches your hand, you have to do what? You got to catch it. But mm -hmm. at the same time, for these guys, we got to give them a little grace because now that they're getting involved in the offense over the last two weeks, we've thrown the ball more to the receivers than we have most of this year. And now that they can, they know that they're going to be part of the offense because we've kind of stopped doing a two quarterback system where now it's one quarterback. So it's guys being able to get into rhythm with the one guy that's in their plan. And or before mm -hmm. they had to figure out, I don't know if I'm going to be there with Robbie. I don't know if I'm going to be there with Holden. I mean, I've been there yeah. with, uh, with Thorne. Maybe. So, they're trying to figure out, like, who do I work with in practice? How many throws do I get with this guy? How many catches do I catch? So it's a lot of things that go with it when it comes to the passing game because yeah. it is it definitely takes a unit. And I feel like those two deep balls, Peyton threw the one to um, Omar Kelly was on the money. Uh, you know, he put that one out there. That was a beautiful throw. Mm -hmm. Now the one to Camden Brown down the middle. He kind of floated that one a little high, and Camden yeah. tried to slow down, just kind of mistimed this jump. His jump was off-timed, yeah. Yeah, mistimed his jump, but at least we're taking those shots. You know what I'm saying? Like, at least we're backing up the defense and saying, hey, we're not just going to let you sit in here with eight-man boxes and try to stop our run game. Mm -hmm. We're going to show you that you know, we're going to attack that. We're going to attack you deep if you present that opportunity, and that's exactly what Vanderbilt did. They was running run blitzes. They were running Mike, Mike Will cross blitzes inside between the, the, the center and the guards. And sometimes we picked them up really well. Sometimes we did pick them up really mm -hmm. well. But the thing is, Arkansas is going to look at that film and say, okay, if we decide to go man coverage and put no safety in the middle of the field, they will take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. So it makes you have to adjust your game plan now from the Auburn that you've seen early in the season to the Auburn that you're seeing now. Jarquez. Jarquez looks like he's in great shape now. The yeah, first he does. couple of games, he started the season off when he got going. You can tell that he's been away from the football team. He hadn't had a chance to get his legs right. You can work out as hard as you want, Taylor, but it's different than doing football-related stuff within the confinements of that team. And sure. now that he's been a chance to have – now he's had an opportunity to be around his team, he runs down on kickoff after every time they go on offense. So when he scored those 66-yard touchdowns and the 57-yard touchdown – he was right back out there on kickoff. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that I think honestly, I think that has helped him get in shape faster. Right. Uh, he took all that, he missed all that time this summer. So he looks his legs look really good. He looks strong now. He looks like the Jarquez of last year and the year before. Agreed. I had a, a post-game interview with him. And when he first walked up to me, I was like, You tired? And he looked at me and he was like, nah. Like, and I believed him too. Like he just, he yeah. seems like he's built for it at this point. Does he have another year of eligibility? Yes. Jacquez has another year and he needs know, to come back. Yeah. We'll see if he comes back. I think he I know he graduates could. in May. He'll have his degree, yeah. but I think it would benefit him if he, this year has just, I don't think it did him any favors. Yeah, it would benefit him in two ways. One, if he comes back next year, he's not dealing with all the offseason stuff. You know, then two, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Then two, he comes back, he gets a full season of the draw quiz we've been the seeing way the he last is now. two games. Yeah, so totally that's going to help your draft status. That's going to help everything. And uh, so I, I you know, I kind of expect them to, but you never know until the end of the season. Yeah, very true. Uh, and look, he he definitely has the potential to have another big big week this week. Arkansas's defense has kind of been a conundrum for me this season because you look, 
you know, against Mississippi State, they only allowed seven points, but then they were in a bit of a shootout with Florida this past week going into overtime. So I'm not entirely sure. I feel like that defense has evolved, but I think that Jarquez, given his physicality and given how well our offensive line has created some lanes for him, I actually think it could be another big day for him. But I think he he definitely could benefit from another year on the Plains. Um, we got to talk about a storyline that has developed in the last – I was I was made aware of it last week ahead of the Vanderbilt game in our coaches' meetings, and it is now kind of making the rounds in local media, and that is that uh, Holden is now considered the backup. It feels like things have changed with, with Robbie a little bit in his role both on the field and off. And look, I will call a spade a spade. This situation has been difficult from the jump. I will even be honest and say I don't believe it has always been handled well. Now, can it be handled well with three very different quarterbacks and a brand new coaching staff? Who the frick knows? I'm not judging, but my opinion is that it wasn't always handled well. Peyton and Robbie have both expressed this has been challenging. This, at times, I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. I don't feel like I know what they want me to do. That's going to get get to anybody. I'm I'm not saying anyone should be like happy go lucky about this situation. But I I don't necessarily feel like Robbie is content with this situation and we know what the reality is in college football when people are not content and don't feel like the future is any brighter. So, I'm not entirely sure what all has led to this. What I will say, the coaches told us last week that if anything happened to Peyton Holden was going to be the guy, not Robbie, and that Holden had been getting more reps. He had been getting the reps with the twos instead of Robbie, and that what they are now wanting to do, now that they have fully given Peyton the reins, they're running more RPO, they're running more tempo, they're airing it out a little bit more. Holden fits that system better than Robbie, along with the fact that maybe Robbie has not been handling all of this the best way possible down the stretch. Holden has the skill sets. And here's the thing. When you get to this point of season and you know you've got a guy like that that has a, a chunk of a future still ahead of him in your system, and reality, even if Robbie was was playing more right now, you don't, he's not the future. He could be the right now, but he's not the future. You honestly have to be playing your cards right so that Holden doesn't end up in the portal. So I think that they're gonna they're gonna get into a situation where they're letting him see, hey, we see a future for you here. And in these last few games of season, last few weeks of practice, we're going to make sure we're making the best of this time and doing right by you. So whether we see Holden this week or not, I don't know, but it is being talked about that, that Holden is getting increased reps. And I think it has to do with all of those factors. Hey, good job, Taylor. You know, that's, that's why they got you on ESPN. <laughs> yeah, that was that, 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 right there. Thanks, Jay. I, the quarterback situation went way too long. It uh, did. The, the two quarterback system, it, it went too long. I think they should have just played both guys the first three games of the season and then after that evaluated and just said, hey, all right, we're going to go with this guy now. So if it's Peyton, Peyton, we're going with you starting game four, use the starter. And Robbie, we may get in there three, four plays. We don't know yet. But also, you're telling Robbie, you're telling Holden, hey, this is Peyton's opportunity to either put up or have to step aside. And yep. at that time, you would have known if he'd gone out there, he'd have performed or whatever. 
then you get a chance to get him into a rhythm, see what he can do without going in and out of the game because that's something he's not used to as well. Right. And then you get a chance to learn a lot more about Peyton. And then all of a sudden you can say, okay, either he's going to get it done or he's not. And if he doesn't, then you can turn to Robbie and say, Robbie, mm-hmm. now it's your opportunity to get it done. So the fact that they didn't do that early in the season, it kept going and going to a point that they had to make a decision and say, hey, and it came right for the Mississippi State game where he said, this is either put up or shut up time for, for either one. And he said, we're going to start off with Peyton. And if he gets it done, he continues. If not, then it goes to the next man. And I think doing that, you see a little bit more chemistry. You see a little bit more flow offensively. You see a little bit uh, more continuity. It doesn't look like it's just kind of all over the place. Um, You know, it doesn't seem like a a deck of cards being shuffled every time you turn around. Like it actually looked like, you know, an offense where you have the good and you have a series or two where things don't go your way, but you had an opportunity as a quarterback to do what? Go to the sideline, readjust. See yeah. what you saw on the thing. See what you saw on the on the pad, and then the next time you go back out, you can make that adjustment. Where before you couldn't make that adjustment because you may not have been back on the field. You know, yeah. what I'm saying, and then it's the pressure of playing too. Like I got to make this play. If I don't make this play, then I'm out. Robbie was under the same amount of pressure when Robbie had to get out there and play, and then he you know he's limited when they call passing plays for him. So out of those four passing plays that he may get a game, he may feel like, hey, I feel like I got to force the ball because I got to make something happen so that they can believe in me as a passer. So right. then you end up making a bad decision. You don't throw an interception, you know, right before the half against, uh, what was that, Old Miss, I think it was. So, you know, throwing yeah. it right before the half because you're trying to force the ball to prove that you can do something, you know. Yeah. So it put a lot of pressure on both guys. And I think the whole thing is now, you know, we've talked about this with Robbie before. You know, you gotta be able to channel your your attitude, your emotions, and different things. Like even when things don't feel like they're going your way, man, just keep working harder. Keep working harder because yeah. sometimes things just seem to come back to you or find you. I just hope that he, as a as a competitor and as an athlete, understand, man. A lot of times in this business, things not gonna go your way, and then sometimes things will go your way because you work your butt off to get through those hard times and you persevered through those times that when, when the time comes back to you, you're going to be well reserved because you took, you took the time to adjust and see through all of that. And you've gone through your hardest part, but it's, it's all about how you approach it though. 1000%. You do feel like it's got to be a conglomeration of all of those factors because we have three games left and suddenly we're going to change who our backup quarterback is, even though we've allowed Robbie in, pretty much every game and holding barely at all. So uh, deductive reasoning can tell you there's a little bit of that going on. But I do think a lot of it is also Hugh is wanting to set himself up for the offseason. And look, you have to, right, given the yeah. the current nature of where we're at. You're already thinking about, okay, what is, what is this going to look like for next year? And the reality is there will be another quarterback competition in the offseason this year And Holden very much should be a part of that. The only reason he wouldn't be is if he chose to go somewhere else. So you do have to kind of start maintaining your current pieces and laying the groundwork for what's to come. And any rep that he gets this year is beneficial for him. So I think it's a smart play. I think it's a long-term play. I think it's a current play. And I also think that it may be a peek behind the curtain into how this whole fiasco has affected each of them differently. I do think from a standpoint of, 
you know, like Thorne. I haven't seen him as frustrated the last two weeks, you know, as he probably was the couple of weeks where he come off the field and he doesn't really say much or he really doesn't engage with his teammates and all that type of stuff that you want to see a quarterback do. But now you see him come off the sideline. He's having more of a conversation. He has having more, uh, you know, he's communicating more and and talking with the guys and trying to get a feel for what's going on. Cause now he kind of probably feels like, okay, I'm the guy now, you know, where before, even though he was listed as a starter, it necessarily didn't make it seem like he was the guy, you know, because he was in and out him and Robbie was rotating. So I think coach freeze is just saying, Hey, coach freeze is a good guy, you know? And I think a lot of times when he got this job, he did know a lot about these kids has already been here. He knew yeah. about some of the kids he was trying to bring in. He was probably trying to get a feel for all these guys. So he's like, yeah. I don't know. So let me just play the guys. Let me play my transfers, you know, because we brought them here. Let's see what they see what they do in this environment. Let me see what, what Robbie can do. I don't really know him a lot. Let me see what he can do. I don't really know Thorne at all. I just brought him here. Let me see what he can do. <laughs> so I think they was probably trying to, like, rotate a lot of these guys. And yeah. now you see the rotation slowing down. You even mm-hmm. see the rotation slowing down in the receiver room. You don't yeah. see a lot of the receivers just going in and out as much as they used to. You don't see the quarterback rotation anymore. You don't see it even defensively rotating a whole lot. So they're going with their guys now down the stretch. I think they got enough film now to say, okay, look, we've given this an opportunity. We've given that opportunity. It's just not working. Let's yeah. just go with what works and while we keep building and building to fit our programs. Yeah, especially given the way the the schedule structures. In terms of the defense, though, an 18th consecutive game that the defense forced a turnover. I was sweating it for a minute. I thought they were going to let it go. But with a minute 50 seconds left, Nehemiah Pritchett with an interception, super pumped for him. That defense, once again, just shows such grit and such fight. And they're not always perfect, but you know you're going to get energy from them. I talked to Jalen Simpson last week. He was one of my – one of my phone calls. I'm also going to say this, and I, I I know the coaches agree with me. I think Jalen could benefit from another year, too. I know he's oh, so tell eager. Oh, about the whole team. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not all of them. I got to be honest. A few of them can go. But uh, I just watching Jalen, he's got such this knack to get to the ball. Obviously, he has great hand skills with leading the team in interceptions. I think if he – he put on a little bit of size, got a little bit stronger. He's got the speed to match. I think one more year. I understand the risk involved. But honestly, we were talking to the coaches. If you're not going in the first three rounds, the money difference really isn't that big. Like the NIL deals that a guy like Jalen Simpson is going to have, he's marketing himself left and right. The whole plankton mentality thing, hilarious. Like the NIL deals are going to be there for a guy like him if he comes back. And he's being projected like fourth, fifth round right now. So money-wise, like, eh, you're really not compromising that much. I understand the risk of an injury, and I get all of that. And at the end of the day, everyone has to do what's what's right by them. But I just I, I think you, another I, I, year would do well for him. I tell you where I can see your your thought process on that, and I and I happen to agree. Just so you know, okay. I say this. When you're looking to go to the NFL, you want to make sure that there's a situation that guarantees you almost three years and a half. And the reason I say that is because that's what it takes in the NFL to get your pension. You have Mm -hmm. to play in in three years, three years. It's like three years and a half worth of games in order to be eligible for your pension later on for retirement. So when you go in those first three rounds, it almost guarantee you that because they're not going to cut a first round or second round or third round that they're just invested a lot of money into 
they're going to take their time and build with that person and try yeah. to make sure that they develop. Now, once you get after those three rounds, they'll cut your butt in a heartbeat, you know, because <laughs> it's because it's not as vested. So you yeah. want to make sure mentally and smart wise that you're building yourself for your future. Now, that's why NIL is put in place where yeah. it's to help guys from having to make those decisions to jump and leap at something to be able to try to go help their families and everything, but not rushing to a decision where you could be rushing yourself out of football, you know, right. but you get a chance to, to grow and get a chance to be around this team for another year, this coaching staff for another year. So you'll know a lot more. Like you say, your body gets a little bit bigger and stronger. You mature a lot mm -hmm. more. This is his first real season at safety. You know, he exactly. was corner before they said I mean, he's at safety. And like you said, yes, there's risk in fact, but there's also insurance policies for these guys at that point when they come back. You know, so yeah. if something was to happen, by he'll still be able to make a lot of money from an insurance policy standpoint. But NIL was put in place for these reasons. Like if a guy was in baseball and he's trying to make a decision, do I go to do I try to take the leap to go to major leagues or do I go to the minors or do I come back to Auburn for another year? You're not going to go to the minors now because they bust everywhere. You know, right. what I'm saying? you can come back to Auburn for another year, make good money in NIL and then position yourself to be better. So the next year you go in the draft, you don't have to be stuck in the minors for seven, eight yeah. years that people don't talk about. You know, so it's the same thing when it comes to NFL. Just make sure you got the right people in your ear. This defense. Here's my thing. So many of them are actually like. <laughs> They don't look like the typical SEC defensive end, defensive lineman, <laughs> linebacker. Like, not all of – honestly, when we talk to the coaches about, like, Jalen McLeod, Marcus Harris, two guys that have just put it together in the last few games, and they are getting into the – they are causing havoc. The, the coaches will tell you they're undersized for the SEC, but they play up. They play so freaking hard. And they, they make the most of their ability and their understanding and their effort makes up for what they lack in size. I have just been like so encouraged by that side of the ball this season. And like I said, it's not always perfect, but you are always going to get energy from that side. And and I have seen guys like Jalen and, and Marcus Harris, who just is so proud to play at Auburn, being from Montgomery, initially had to go out to freaking Kansas and is so happy to be back who could blame him and it's just like you they play with that joy and and Jalen told me last week you know we finally got our first SEC win on what week nine whatever the heck it was if you came to practice you would have thought we were contesting for an SEC championship at the end of the year like this team plays at least certainly the defense plays with a high motor, high energy, and you see their passion when they're on the field. That, at the end of the day, if you can't have a winning season, that's at least what you want to see. And and we're still trying to, to establish that on the offensive side. But this defense, I just, my hat's off to all of them. I'm a huge fan, personally, of so many of them. Really high character guys. Um, I will say, given some of those, you know, size and, and the the front, you know, sacks haven't necessarily been our big thing this year. I know we had quite a few this past weekend, but Vanderbilt's offensive line, woof, uh, yeah, really, yeah. really difficult. Sacks haven't necessarily been our thing this year. And look, as we kind of pivot to look ahead this weekend, K.J. Jefferson is one of the toughest to bring down. This kid is stout and tall and, and a big-body dude that when all else fails – 
he's just kind of got this F it, I'm going to take off mentality. And it takes quite a few guys to bring him down. So uh, as, as we kind of switch gears here and, and preview, what are going to be the keys for this defense as they face a guy like KJ Jefferson and an offense that got into a different rhythm this past week as they have moved on from their offensive coordinator, Dan Enos, and they also returned one of the SEC's most effective running backs in Rocket Sanders. He finished last year second in the SEC in rushing yards, and they got him back. They have certainly missed him. So they were able to put up 39 against Florida. Flashback a couple weeks, they only put up three against Mississippi State. So uh, what will be defensive keys this week? Because we kind of know what the offense needs to figure out. This defense is going to have a different test this week than what they saw against Vanderbilt. Yeah, Arkansas has been a tough team to figure out. They fired a coordinator, then they go to Florida, and it's a 36-33 game. But then when they went to Alabama, they went to Alabama, it was a close game all the way to the fourth quarter. The thing is, like you said, with K.J. Jefferson is, when you get to him, you can't think he's down until you know he's on the ground. Like, this guy can break tackles. He can get out of arm tackles. So don't just straight up drag you. Right. (laughs) So I, I definitely think defensively, though, I, we, we should be we're a really good defense i think we're up for the challenge i like us in this game just because of that reason our defense offensively i'd be a little bit concerned uh just because simple fact we did have those drop balls last week i don't think us i don't expect us to do that two weeks in a row but i i will just say this though like in the first half we still struggled a little bit offensively if it wasn't for those two runs by jarquez where he yeah. where the offensive line gave up a big hole for him to go 67 yards. But then the next one, he broke through a tackle and he was able to break through and, and, and go the distance. So, but besides those two big runs, you know, we had a couple of hiccups there in that first half. And, uh, you know, the game ended up being 17 to seven at the half, but it easily could have been the other way around. So I, I think we'll, we will travel well. Uh, I think we can run the football really good. And I think we can control a lot of what's going to be probably an ugly game. And the reason I call yeah. it an ugly game, I don't expect the ball to be thrown around, you know, as much as it was like Ole Miss and Mississippi State or, you know, even Vanderbilt. Arkansas and Sam Pittman wants to play slug flesh football. Yeah. That's what he wants. He doesn't care if it's a 10 to 9, if it's a 6 to 3. He wants to play slug fest football. So I, I think for Auburn, we got to go in this game plan understanding patience. Don't get frustrated. Don't get, you know, start fast, play with tempo. We got to go with tempo because they don't go with tempo. Mm-hmm. So we can't let their energy affect our energy or what they're doing offensively. We just got to go out there and play our tempo and our offense. But that all starts with us standing on the field, converting third downs, and us stopping them defensively uh, when KJ's out there. It will definitely be a, a quick switch to flip because Vanderbilt's quarterback situation is far from that. Even when they brought in Walter Taylor, who uh, he is six, seven, like he is a big dude, but he hasn't kind of found that ability yet. KJ sees the field very well. At times it has felt like KJ's had to do all of this himself this year. Like he really, there have been moments, their offensive line have been really, really bad, which is kind of confusing because that's Pittman's, you know, bread and butter. Uh, But they also went into some, you know, kind of unknown FCS wide receivers that they brought in. Andrew Armstrong is one of them who's been a guy for them. But no joke, bringing Rocket Sanders back makes that big of a difference because he is not only so physical, so aggressive, 
um, so beloved, but I, I kind of feel like he's KJ's like kind of comfort, like the two of them together. They just have that. We can make something happen. And for several weeks, it was KJ thinking this is all on me. And so that really does make it make a big difference. And the defense is going to have to be keyed in on that. Keep in mind, this defense is coached by one of our own T will my guy. I'm just putting it out there that one day he comes back. Though I do love Ron Roberts, and I think he's he's really done a great job this year and, and has called great games. But uh, I have a soft spot for T-Will, and I, I just love him dearly, and I hope that one day he finds himself back on the planes. Um, but, look, his knowledge of Auburn comes to play, you know, and I, I think that he'll have that defense fired up. He'll, he'll know the importance of getting to the quarterback. He'll know the importance of shutting down the run game. So you're right. This very much could be an ugly slugfest kind of reminiscent of the Mississippi State game, just two defenses that are going to be so locked in and not letting you create anything, and it may be who's got the ball last. It's all going to come down to us protecting the football. Like I said, T. Will will bring some different exotic-type blitzes, uh, but we got to protect the football, and we got to run the football really good. But we got to stay out of third and long situations. Uh, that's that's the, that's the key for us offensively. But defensively, get out the KJ and don't let him get into a rhythm. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that that's the thing. Don't let them get into a rhythm. But the only thing that scares me is they just came off a big win in Florida. And because they're they got juiced. that big win in Florida, I saw their locker room. They look energized. They look juiced. They know they have three games in a row at home to end the season. They're trying to do what we're trying to do. We're trying to yeah. end the season the right way. And and they're trying to end the season the right way. I like it, though. I, I like us going in there playing this type of game. Like, I don't want to go in there playing some dull game like yeah bring some excitement to it because you know had they lost last week yeah it wouldn't be no excitement to be two and seven and then i don't know if our players would be got get up for that you know what i'm saying but I, now they know they got to get up so we'll see yes no i agree when i was looking at the the way our season closed out probably like halfway through the season and i saw no offense to anybody that's not what i'm saying but just you know mississippi state vanderbilt arkansas new mexico state I was like, well, that's where we we regain our footing. And then Arkansas did what they did last weekend. I, I'm intrigued by this one. I really am. They sit at the bottom of the SEC West right now, but you're right. They have all the juice right now coming off of that unexpected win in Florida, and they get to bring it back home in front of a fan base that, like ours at one point this season, really needed to see a big win at home. The last time they were in front of that fan base at home was a deflating 7-3 to three loss to Mississippi State on homecoming. Like, <laughs> this place is going to be eager for them to get an SEC win uh, in their house. So our team will have to come juice. They'll have to be excited. And still, uh, bowl eligibility remains on the table, and it would be really cool if we could lock that in on the road against an SEC team and, uh, you know, then return home for a couple more chances to make it an even better bowl. So we will see what the Tigers have in store for us this week. Looking forward to all the action. Uh, my guys Dave Neal and Derek Mason will be on the call. I will be in South Carolina. Unfortunately, not getting three straight with my Tigers, but uh, you know I'll be pulling for them from afar. If anyone is going to be in Columbia, I'll let you, girl. <laughs> uh, real quickly, Jay, any uh, result from this past weekend that uh, surprised you? There were a couple big games, obviously. Bama, Georgia, as expected, but a couple that maybe uh, caught people by surprise. Yeah. This weekend, games I like coming up, I like Ole Miss and Georgia this Saturday night. Oh, buddy. Night game in UGA. It's going to be crazy. Um, I can't wait to see that game, see what happens. It's really offense versus defense. Somebody's got to give in this one. 
Uh, Brock Bauer still won't be back, but that's oh, I read he is going to be back. Oh, he is going to be back. Oh, Mm -hmm. so that just because it's going to be his last game at Samford. So, gotcha. I don't. I'm sure he'll be super limited, but he's going to try and go. Alabama beating uh, LSU, which we both picked that to happen. Um, yeah. But Jaden Daniels, you know, and Milrow. Milrow has been one of the most improved players in the SEC since the Texas game. Yep. And he didn't even play in the South Florida game. And the next time he got a chance to play, his attitude was in the right place. And this kid has been better and better each and every week. Uh, it's making Alabama a dangerous football team. But Alabama better be careful going up there playing that early game against Kentucky this weekend because – it's in Lexington and it's an early ball game. And you know how yeah. early ball games are sometimes on big opponents. You know, so True. that's one to watch out for. But hey, yeah. nothing less eager to see what USC and Oregon does this weekend because Oregon haven't beat but one team that's with a winning record and everything. But I want to see how Kayla Williams responds against a really good Oregon team led by Bo Nitz. Uh, I want to see how he responds since they fired their defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So that's a game. Yeah. To watch too. I hate the way that the Oregon Washington game went because I think that Oregon is a better team than Washington. I think that they, they are, are a better complete team. If anyone slips and Oregon makes a run, I they have a very strong argument, in my opinion, for the playoff. But all of this is also contingent on what happens to Michigan. Like, I, uh, it's so strange right now to have things continuing to go the way they are because. I really think there's a possibility that some big punishment comes down on Michigan before all of this is said and done. The thing is, the thing with Michigan is it's so hard to prove because for years there's been some type of sign stealing all that type of stuff That's going on. New. It's been going on for football for years. Yeah. Now the fact that they was actually sending people out there and doing that, that buying would make tickets it to games to Yeah, keep. buying tickets to games like that makes it, you know, like yeah. That's just, you know, this is not integrity of the ball of the game. Uh, something will come down. I don't think it comes down on the players because it's not the kids' fault. I hate the fact that the kids get caught in the middle of this where yeah. they fight so hard to put themselves in a position to win a championship. But because what adults choose to do, it's almost like your kids having to pay for what your parents do. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, so it's like, so in this situation, if Harbaugh and the people knew that they was doing this, then the, it should come down on Harbaugh where he should get some type of suspension. But I don't think the kids should be in a position where they don't get an opportunity to go play for a championship because of something adults chose to do that they knew was out of the integrity of the game. Now, with that being said, they still got to play Penn State this weekend, who I think Penn State is going to beat them because the simple fact is so much noise circling around Michigan. Taylor, you know this. You've been around the game a long time. Distractions mm-hmm. is the biggest enemy to any good football team. That's and there's so much distractions going on right now about the whole Michigan program and everything. The kids are doing everything they can to stay locked in and focused, but it's so much it's circling out there to the point that it will become a distraction. And you still got to play Ohio State. So they're going to lose one of those two games. So I don't even think it's going to be a conversation of them being in the playoffs because they're going to drop one or two, one or two of those games. It'll be interesting how that goes. Obviously, Georgia's in a good spot. Florida State's in a good spot. But so much happens in November. Like, these end-of-October rankings, to me, I just hold with a grain of salt because November is when you learn so much about everybody. So I will be very interested to see how Georgia looks against Ole Miss this week. I think it'll be a bit of a different 
challenge for them, just given how unconventional Lane can be offensively. So well, a lot of good ball ahead. Lane got to show me that he can go on the road and win a big game and not do crazy stuff. Because every time he goes to Tuscaloosa to play Bama, he doesn't look like the same lane that calls plays against LSU, the same lane that calls plays against Auburn and the other schools. It seems like he goes backwards when he faces a bigger opponent like that. So we'll see what happens when he goes this week against Muschamp's defense and Kirby Smart. Yeah, the mind games associated with You have with nothing to one. lose, though. It's, that's my I thing. Know. He has nothing to lose this week. So why not go out there and just but, – Call your game. Yeah, but a guy like Lane who has, quote, nothing to lose, he's already freaking nuts. So, like, that's going to make him even crazier. He's not going to be like, oh, I have nothing to lose. Maybe I should scale back on how often I go for it on fourth down. Like, he's he's going to throw everything at the wall just like he did in Tuscaloosa when he was like, get your popcorn ready. And they tried to freaking remake the wheel, and it bit him in the tail. So, It'll be exciting, though. I, I'm looking forward to all of the action this weekend. Obviously, the Tigers and Arkansas are the main event in our lives. So that is going to do it for us this week on Believe in Everything Auburn. Thank you so much for listening and following along. As always, you can subscribe if you have not already, and you'll get a notification every time we release an episode. You can find us in the podcast app, Spotify, Believe's website, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube. We are on Believe's YouTube channel each and every week. If you prefer to watch on video, you can ring the bell there, leave a comment, leave a like, whatever, subscribe on YouTube as well. And come on back next week as we break down another week of Auburn football action. Y'all, we only get three more of these. We spend our entire year pining away for college football, and poof, it goes like that. So make sure you're enjoying every Saturday. Win, lose, or draw, we love Auburn, and that doesn't change. So we will see you next week to break down all the action. War Eagle. Where are you, everybody? Hope to see y'all with a victory. woo Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.